0: Welcome to the Restless Creatives podcast. Comfortable chats with inspirational creatives, hosted by three self-confessed restless creatives, Lucy Hunter, Fiona Pickles, and Bridget Gerling. This week we chat with Ruth Rubicore, an incredibly multifaceted entrepreneur inspired by her adoptive country France, and telling the stories of artistic creative women from around the world. Ruth's energy and vision, belief, humour, and warmth shine through in this somewhat long episode. But we think you'll find, like us, that Ruth is irresistible.
1: Hello! <laughs> Hello.
2: Sorry about that. Um, uh, we have our gardener here once a year, and he just started streaming right outside yeah, my window. Sounds about right. <laughs> we can't see Ah, you can't see me, no. Oh, that's because I'm an expert
1: at seeing Hey, there you are. <laughs> oh, it's Hello. that beautiful room. Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're just going to sit here and drool at your yeah. studio. Yeah. It's all an illusion. It's no. all an illusion. No, it's
2: not. We've watched the IGTV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it actually is genuinely all an illusion because oh. underneath all that paper, Uh, We had this huge leak underneath that paper. That whole wall is destroyed.
3: (laughs) Even um, where it's peeled off and it's like white, it still looks beautiful. So um,
2: that's called patina. (laughs) (laughs) Patina that leak. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I just couldn't look at it anymore, and it was my, it is my favorite room in the whole house. And I couldn't look at it, so I decided I was just going to. I said, like, to hell with it. I'm going to stick. I'm just going to cover the whole wall. (laughs) In the magazine, and as many paintings as possible, and uh, it's just that's uh, all I can see now. So I can
1: distract. <laughs> yeah, it's distracting me. <laughs> I have to say. But it's lovely to yeah. meet you. It's
2: lovely yeah. to see you. Yeah, all. It's very lovely to see you. <laughs> you know, it's wonderful because you've been in. You've been accompanying me, uh, and this podcast has been accompanying me as I'm putting the magazine together. Oh so really? So oh my! I God. feel like I'm in your living
1: room. This <laughs> Come in. <laughs> <So> much, <yeah. laughs> One day we will be able to do that, definitely. Oh, yes. oh
2: can you imagine? I can't wait. We'll yeah. be a podcast
0: on the road.
1: We will. Travel the road road world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That would be amazing, but we just have to believe it's going to happen very soon. I mean, I know that you're all still in mm-hmm. lockdown. I we are fortunate enough that we're just uh, under curfew, which right. which it's like it sounds like it's not so bad, but it is. I mean, yes. It's, we just don't go anywhere after six o'clock. But sure, you know.
1: We can't go stuff. anywhere after six o'clock
2: anyway. Well I <laughs> was gonna say, Lucy, it actually hasn't changed my life all that much. it's only you know, I only it's only when we get you don't get invited to dinner anymore. It's always a luncheon invite, so it's fine. You know, you get home home in time for for your supper and, and bed before nine, and it's all very civilized. It sounds
1: brilliant. <laughs> so Ruth, yeah. You've got lots and lots of strings to your bow really and the girls were asking me just before sort of you know you seem to have lots of different Instagram accounts and you know where you've come from and obviously the magazine's a huge part now of what you do but can we just go back a bit and talk about well because you had a corporate career didn't you to start with I I
2: did I I know that we yeah we have so
1: much in common you and IBC (laughs) and we all we
2: all have so much in common but I, I my first job at college was with Walt Disney Studios in Ireland. So there was a tiny team, uh, four people and I headed up marketing and publicity. right. So um, looking after film releases, so basically everything to do with the film that gets between it getting made and getting into the cinemas. Wow. Well, oh yes, God. I love I mean that was my dream job. and uh, I started actually as an intern. And just I just made myself indispensable. I had learned how to make a really good cup of tea. <laughs> and, and then I just happened to be in the right place at the right time uh, as somebody else was moving on. And I got an assistant job and I stayed there for nearly a decade. Gosh. And um, the only reason, really the only reason I left uh, was I had my eldest who's now 11. And uh, just before going back after maternity leave, I discovered um, I had very bad autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, which had knocked me for like seven, but I I thought it was just, you know, having a newborn and not sleeping properly. So that kind of, my health was really thrown out of whack. And then I had a newborn at home. And then when I went back to work, I just, it was just not the same. You know, it wasn't, I couldn't travel. My heart wasn't in that side anymore. And I just felt, I, you know, just wasn't a right fit for me anymore. And so luckily, my husband is French. Luckily. <laughs> well, that's why I, that's how I ended up in France. <laughs> um, I had to actually go fishing for a husband in France. <laughs> no eligible man in Ireland. So that's why I was lucky. And as luck would have it, he is French. And so we thought, oh, well, you know, uh, we could always move to France and try that out for a little while. And so it was also coinciding with the crash of the Irish economy Mm. and his, he works in finance. And so his job was kind of being moved from five days to three days and back to five. There was so much, you know, it just wasn't very stable. And so that combined with my work situation um, where I just felt that I, you know, I could do with taking a little bit of time out to get my health back in in order and look after my son. and, And then maybe the idea was to go back to the film industry eventually. So initially we were going to do a sabbatical and move to this little village and, you know, take six months to ourselves and then, you know, get back up on the on the corporate saddle as such. uh, And that never really happened. Um, It just we moved here. And we so where we live, is it's basically next door to the village where Peter Mayle wrote a year in Provence. You know, terrible. It's awful. it's really beautiful and uh it's i mean best of weather we've got four seasons in a year which is frankly after 30 years of living in ireland was such a shock to my system uh i mean come come like the first of march the sun would come out and i would be out in my like vest top and then i'd realize oh it's actually going to be sunny tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. And so now, after 11 years of living here, I mean, I'm so blasé. I'm, you know, oh, it's only April. I'm not putting my winter clothes away just yet. But you get used to it really quickly. Basing um, yourself. But, yes, exactly. So um, so when we moved here, we moved, and there's an awful lot of artists in this area. And so I'd given up my career. I had no driving license. I had a one-year-old. And so I suddenly was this, I was a stay-at-home mother and I had no career options because I didn't have a driving license so I couldn't you know I couldn't even go and get a job in the local village as a waitress if I wanted to so it was quite a crazy time because I just thought wow okay 10 years with Disney that's that was it that's that's what I've got to give and it was good while it lasted (laughs) and and, uh, I'd always made uh, jewelry as a child and so at some point having, just after moving over to France, now I had been married for a year and I dated this French man for four years before that. Is the, his? Same the same French man? the same French man. I didn't date that, I didn't even like French men. I actually dated a lot of Spaniards. So there's only one French man in my past. <laughs> and his name is Raphael. And uh, so at one point I realized, I mean like a complete idiot, uh, that, I, that my husband's family makes ribbons. And it had, I thought I'd heard that they made ribbons, but I never really made the connection that, you know, uh, that uh, the kind of ribbons that they made were like these incredible ribbons that for haute couture and the Vatican. And wow. I mean, just it, I hadn't my idea of a ribbon was something you wrapped either a bouquet with or a really nice fancy present, you know, that you didn't deserve. <laughs> and that, that was the extent of it. And so. At Christmas time, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go ask for some ribbons thinking I'll get a roll of black satin polyester or something like this. This was this was the extent of my imagination. And Raphael's grandmother said, no problem, no problem. And she went into the cupboard in this beautiful apartment in Saint-Étienne and she opened up the cupboard and she got this little box out. and said, now, this is what the children play with. So take whatever you like. And um, and she gave me this box, and it. I just literally it looked in the box, and I had I had no. I just had no words. They were all small little samplers that would have probably been in like museum worthy books, and these were what the kids were playing with. And they were like uh, em- not embroidered, and uh, woven with like real gold and real silver thread and, and hand cut velvet. And I kind of stood there going, oh, and like sorry. I'm Irish, I would probably curse so that I'm so trying why. not to curse Am <laughs> I cursed? And I said, oh, you, uh, now <laughs> I've got to do something. I've said I want these and now I... So I have no idea what to do with them. But that was the start of an adventure of making jewellery, textile jewellery. And that was kind of like really got the ball going for me um, on discovering textiles and handmade and antiques and the brocante in mm-hmm. France. Because I started thinking, you know, oh, my God, well, there's this whole world and uh, that I had no idea about. And then it was kind of like peeling back a layer. And then you discover lace and then you discover silk and then you discover, you know, the, the, the 18th century printed textile. And it was just I just kind of felt like, wow, this whole this whole story has been out there and I knew nothing about it. And it was just the most incredible few years of. Of just learning, like an apprenticeship, um, which is combining stories and textiles and history, and and really like uh, learning so much about uh, what, what what makes France in terms of their heritage and from the patterns and the colors and uh, yeah, I mean that so that set me off in this whole whole new path of uh, antiques and textiles, and then meet, meeting artists and makers and creatives who are all very much aligned in the same way, who all love these stories that these objects hold and either want to transform them or give them a second life or, you know, they live with these textiles. Um, and uh, that's, so that's how, I mean, uh, there's just so many different tangents in my life, but uh, that's how I, I took, I, I got a camera for my 30th birthday which is 10 years ago, and I've never taken a photograph before then, and because I'd never really had anything that I wanted to take a photograph of, I think, looking back, and this was something that I not only wanted to capture, but I really wanted to share because of how incredible it was to me to learn and discover all of this. I thought, well, I can't be the only one who knows absolutely nothing about this, and who might want to see all the things that I'm I'm witnessing, um, because it's... I think this is the other side: is that Ireland was so poor for so long that even, you know, I I think I used to go junking with my dad. And when I say junking, I mean like literally junk. (laughs) I would go on a Sunday to the local junk shop next to Currys and PC World, and I would think this was like treasure. And so. Like my my visual vocabulary of what treasure was was very limited. <laughs> uh, so like going to the antiques market, and I actually you no, know, like I started at the ripoff merchants end, you know where everything is incredible, and then slowly made my way to find like the secret sources. And it's just you just your mind just gets mm-hmm. more and more blown mm-hmm. by by how beautiful things were, and that's the thing that France was such a wealthy country that they had mm-hmm. silk and they had ribbons I mean if where my husband's company um family company is was the world home of ribbon making uh historically speaking they actually invented the ribbon because the king at the time don't ask me which one it's probably a Louis probably. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I forget I am the worst <laughs> knowing which one it was but he <laughs> decreed that only royalty could wear pattern and that you know every all the commoners had to wear solid colors and so they they found a way around this by creating very slim pieces of fabric so underneath the kind of le- level of that was that was in the law and that's how the ribbon was invented and that's how they introduced pattern into their clothing so that's and that's also why it became such a you know very very wealthy uh, industry to be in and that's at that point where my husband's family came into it they were industrialists and they thought they saw they saw an opportunity and they went into ribbon making and um the sad thing is that they're probably before the entire town used to make ribbons and now uh, there's only about three or four making ribbons and we're the only ones making ribbons with these beautiful old uh jacquard uh metiers in french it's, i think it's a uh, uh, jacquard looms mm. so um yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a tangent no, again. It's really
1: interesting.
2: There's just all these layers that kind of connect yeah. me yeah. to what I'm doing. Um and then so yeah, so I started taking photographs and that's so and that just brought me on to this whole other new um side which is storytelling essentially. Mm. Um and I realized I've always been storytelling but but to not to this extent. So it's kind of to be able to share the stories of the people that inspire me. And I have been doing that for other publications Mm. uh, for the last three, four years Um, come entirely self-taught and literally learning on the spot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So but but to the the idea that I can take these stories and share these stories of mostly really for the last three, four years of women, female creatives and a lot of them, women who only really kind of gotten into their stride or started creating after they've raised kids and the kids have grown up and now is their time that has been like a huge privilege to me because I feel like and especially you know when you've stepped off the ladder to go back on to to try and find yourself find your voice or find a find your way you can just it can be devastating for your confidence well, on a good changed, doesn't it oh I mean so much has changed and then you feel well what's the point you know so many of these other young ones The young ones. (laughs) I'm 40, I can say that now. All these young ones are, you know, coming up and they've got their Instagrams and they've got, you know, their God love them uh, TikToks and their Snapchats. And where do I fit into this? And so I've seen so many women in that position. And so the joy of spending a day with them and taking photographs in their studios and then sharing their story with the world has just been completely unplanned. But the biggest gift for me and um and I learned so much so with every time I I went into a studio and and shot that story I also grew as a photographer Mm -hmm. and I also then learned how to tell that story better so it's always it's there's always been this um evolution and growth and it's like a synergy
0: isn't there when you meet oh I just love it yeah I love it
2: and and you get something and they get something um you know there's and i feel like I, I and like really genuinely that their part they become their story then becomes part of my um this is going to a, a a textile a metaphor part of my patchwork or you know my <laughs> but they are i just feel yeah. like I, I i then carry them with me and in because often i also then translate their story so i mean i so i became literally overnight a photographer and a writer uh, which i had never ever thought of that i would ever be or do um and but it just happens so so naturally, and so I get to tell these stories, and I learn so much from them, and I can reflect them onto my story, and and you just see a whole other side of people, and you see how far they've had to come to get to where they are now, and you know a lot of them have, you know, achieved despite many obstacles, and uh, that's those are the stories that I just love to share, and then to see, and I never control this, but when we can find, you know, if, if, if and when they get a cover, I mean, I, I, I never know when they're going to get the cover, for example, on the magazine, but but I'm just so happy when they get the cover because as, as a woman, you know, so many of us feel that we become more and more invisible and, um, and there it is, there's their story and it's worthwhile and it's, it's meant to be shared and it's meant to be celebrated. And so that has been that for the last three or four years has been the biggest joy for me I got a complete accident um and now I'm creating my own magazine which is another complete lunatic thing to do amazing Uh, fabulous I mean like I don't have enough to do but you're restless you're a restless
0: creative you are our absolute archetypal (laughs) restless creative
2: well I just you know I just feel like uh, well, I, I did get an experience. I got this incredible experience last year of creating my of creating a magazine from scratch. And um, I mean, where do you even start with that? No. Well, you see, well, I was so I was I was co- a collaborator for a big American magazine group, which is very established, and. I went off and I had this uh, great 24, literally 24 hours with uh, two ma- uh, like major creat- Swedish creatives, Linda Lamellino and Olivia Ruby of Adlaster Food Textures. And I took the train up, I crossed practically all of France to get to them. They were on the top north <laughs> west coast. And I arrived and from the moment I arrived, we just talked and laughed and took photographs and talked and laughed and ate. Oh, my God, we ate so much good food because Linda Lomelino is like the cake queen. I mean, I don't even like rhubarb. And she made this rhubarb tart and I was like, it was tasting heaven. I think I even had seconds. And I remember even saying to her, I don't even like rhubarb. <laughs> and then uh, we came back from that and I was like, it was like somebody had charged me uh like, or hooked me up to a vitamin drip or put solar panels on my back. I just thought, okay, I got it. I gotta do it, I gotta do it. And it was on that kind of moment. I just, I didn't think of any of the practicalities or the, you know, what might go wrong with that idea or, (laughs) you know, any of the work that would go into it. I just thought, okay, I know all these people. Uh, I wanna read their stories how hard can that be? And um, (laughs) and I pitched the idea and the editor said, yes. And she said, okay, you do it. And so uh, "Ah!" (laughs) you've got two weeks. (laughs) No, I actually had loads of time, which was fine. I had like six or eight months of that. And I think also, I mean, in fairness, I didn't have any risks really. I wasn't Mm -hmm. financing the magazine. I knew already the stories. I actually had too many stories. Um, so I had to cut it down. That was the problem, like deciding which stories were the, were the ones to go and, and, and creating an entire, not a product, but something that totally made sense as a whole. Mm. And, uh, so that was an experience, and as as all my other businesses, because I ha- I forgot to tell you about three of them. Um, <laughs> fine, but it's fine because they no longer exist. They, oh. they evaporated when COVID arrived. They just kind of well, no, no they're
1: they are on hold. they're on hold. They haven't evaporated.
2: They're on hold. Um, they're they're I I organize experiences which are workshops, which are about empowering and um, connecting and, and bringing women, mostly women, together through storytelling and photography and food. and
3: <laughs> Is that my oh, French muse?
2: Uh, yeah, so that's the French muse, yeah. yeah. And um, which is something which I just absolutely love. And we had the biggest one planned for last summer. I mean, the biggest one, first of all, it sold out before I even announced it, which had not happened before on the last, on the previous two. And then all of my mentors who had come already all begged to come on this one so we were I think we were like 35 people at the end and everybody was just coming there's a I'll wash the dishes and (laughs) I'll cook and 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 so every all these women just wanted to be a part of it because they were they were really magic and the what made them magic um was the fact that it was women cross-generational so we had like a 27 year old animation um like professional animator from LA and we had a 70-year-old a retired lawyer um from Australia come, come and everything in between and so you know it was and i think we had something like 16 different countries as well so it was this whole literally melting pot and we would come together and we would just you know just photograph stuff all day long (laughs) and then visit like artist studios and then you know just hang out and go for a swim it was Provence it was roasting hot Mm. and then we would you know come together and we do a lot of eating basically and uh I just loved it but I think until not just until we can travel safely but the the magic of it was bringing all those age groups together and all those different means, basically not everybody could afford it, but everybody was in a position that was a little bit more comfortable that they could maybe see it as an, as, as an investment. Mm. But right now I think people, it's just, there's so, there's so much turmoil. I don't want to put mm. people under pressure. I want people to arrive over and be really comfortable and really open and, and uh, be able to be there and to have that mix. So it's, so I say, so it's on pause until, until we can eventually get to the point where we can mm. make it happen again. So mm. it may be two, three years time. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not in a rush for, there's a lot of people that do workshops and, and they are and can be a real money maker. but for me really it's, I'd rather do it and do it really well and and have people be really comfortable than just keep turning them out. So yeah. we'll see, so, so I suppose, that for me was a way of connecting people and I really miss that. Mm. I go, God, um, don't we all? Mm-hmm. We you know, mm-hmm. just, just connecting with other really I mean I love women, um, and I don't have anything against men. I just <laughs> I just love women and I love helping women and connecting women and I just think you know, that we can be the, our best allies um, in this creative process and collaborate and, and share our knowledge. And so I really miss that. And so, FAIR, I suppose, magazine, FAIR magazine, is a way to do that, um, you know, until we can, well, it'll still go on, but it'll, it's a way of bringing people and bringing these stories together until we can mm. meet physically again. Mm. I mean Did Lucy do I don't know if you've ever heard of Lucy Hunter yes funnily enough Lucy Hunter is in our first issue I know. <laughs> so we so may ordered. have had so a, a little uh, heads up on that <laughs> yes, because, and I'm so like literally Lucy was like the top of my list um, oh
1: stop but <laughs> um, I,
2: I love your story I love your story and I think there's there's so much uh, for everybody to learn from your story about finding your voice and you know and and not being afraid. Well, you can be afraid, but just to have the courage to yeah. deviate from your path, you know, which is really hard to, to step off a ladder of a nice job with, you know, a salary and the comfort and to step into the unknown. It's, it's not something that we're ever told that we should do or, or we're encouraged to do. Mm. So it can be
1: scary, but it can also be like exhilarating and incredible. And yeah. that's why it's important, isn't it, to actually tell the, these stories of these mm. people you know yeah. so, so as you say other people can think I've had I had after the uh, podcast I did with um, Botanical Brew haha, where I talked about it and I had so many people reaching out afterwards just to say oh my goodness you know I've got the same story and I'm I've, I've you know y- you've really inspired me to have that courage and you think gosh I feel so humble about that yeah so but that's what you're doing now with this magazine as well you know to, yeah to bring, showing how people from all different parts can you know come together and create something well I want the stories I mean I don't I think there's enough there's some and I
2: listen I buy I buy these magazines that I'm that I'm not going to say which magazines but there are some beautiful magazines out there that show these incredible homes but they're very aspirational and there there's there's you know, there's not much underneath the surface. And sometimes even photographers go in and, and somewhat erase the person from those homes, you know, by tidying up and sterilizing and 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 those are not the stories that I want to read. So I really I mean, I'm I just want to I want to share honest, intimate stories of creatives and how they found their voice, essentially, because it's exactly what you did in that podcast is to tell, to show people that. Um, it's not that because you've been doing this since you were 21 years of age that you're at this stage now it's just you know that that everyone has a different story and um, I do think that you know this linear path to careers is very much changing and I think COVID and um, is forcing us to be more flexible and for people that haven't Taking these (laughs) divergent paths it must be terrifying Mm. i feel like I, i had like a practice run or several practice runs on adapting um and i was very lucky that i had all these other things kind of to fall back on when everything just crashed but i think when you when you have been so focused on getting to the top of your career and to be the best at that and and um I think it it must have been just such a trauma to have to just have all that dissolve, you know. And so yeah. I I am really lucky that I kind of I kind of feel that I've gotten very good at adapting. I mean, I don't say I, I listen, I was crying and I was like there was snot coming out my nose <laughs> most of the days. And I was in the worst of humor having to homeschool my two oh, kids. Yeah. But uh, but we managed to get through it. It's just nuts to think that it's been a year already but um, Mm. yeah
0: I'm sensing there must have been some pretty inspirational women in your childhood
2: there yeah well I I was very very lucky um I've had to do I've had some time to look back and see what the hell (laughs) hell where did this all come from and uh, (laughs) and i was like why am I because I'm I'm literally I think I just uh, like s- creative studio porn like that is my <laughs> that is my what's the word my weakness yeah and I, and I was thinking about it and so my mum, uh when I was about 12 so I grew up in I was born in Northern Ireland I grew up in the Troubles and um well I went to uh, boarding school for secondary school because at the time you either went to the local Catholic school or the local Protestant school depending on your religion and that and that was it you know there was segregation from your education mm-hmm. onwards and so my parents sent me to boarding school in the Republic of Ireland. And um, as I was going to boarding school, uh, my mother opened an art gallery. And she opened an art, uh, art gallery on the uh, in a border town. And I think, uh, if I'm thinking back correctly, uh, her first exhibition had uh, art contemporary, like the top contemporary artists from north the north of Ireland and the Republic of Ireland in the same exhibition. And apparently, I mean, if you think, This sounds just nuts to say it out loud, but it was the first time anybody had ever done that. We were talking about the time when nobody crossed the board. Mm. It was dangerous. It was properly dangerous. It was, well, I mean, dying. yeah and also I mean also my normality was like anytime you'd go down to Dublin for the day which was usually just before Christmas you know you'd get a hot chocolate and you'd go to the Kilkenny shop and but you'd cross the border and you'd have a gun pointed at you and you know where are you going and what are you doing and when are you when are you be back that was just so normal for us Gosh. um but um so my mother started this gallery and uh I, I basically would be brought along to you know into artist studios and i go to their homes and then on a fr- you know anytime she's doing an exhibition I would be serving wine which is probably not very legal as a 13 year old. think <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful experience you know um, and then after the exhibition opening I would be you know we'd all go for dinner and I would be sitting right next to the artist and be treated like an adult and be in part of this conversation and so yeah, i we did have a really open creative upbringing where where art was not taboo where art was something that you didn't you know need to understand to enjoy i mean we and so i think really the only reason my mom had the art gallery is because she loved art so we, she bought a piece from every exhibition and so our house was coming down with art um and i see i see that in my home now literally there's i don't even have walls for all the art because i buy a lot of antique art paintings as well but yeah so there was there was from from my teenage years this fascination with creativity and um, not necessary, there was no boundaries. Like it was a p- possible job option, if you know what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. even though I did witness that it was really tough mm-hmm. to make a living, and uh, and I chickened out of going to art college myself because I just I didn't want to be mediocre. I was terrified that I would be crap. So I was like, I I don't know if I want to discover that I'm actually not super talented, that I'm a street <laughs> crap. So I'm just not gonna go. I'm gonna go still business and French. Something completely <laughs> that, different. <laughs> <laughs> that I can manage, that I know I can do. So um yeah. So that so yeah, I grew up with artists and then I guess yes, the, th- the difficulty with art is, whichever
0: area of creativity you're in, the, whether somebody likes it or not, is so subjective. Whereas if
2: you can yeah. speak French or understand business, that's not subjective. You can or you no, can't. <laughs> I mean, it, like, I'll be really honest. It didn't challenge me whatsoever. The, I studied in Trinity College, Dublin, which I loved. I think I went to one hour of lectures in the first year. I, I was too. I had been at an all-girls boarding school, so I was too busy having a good time. <laughs> boys, yeah.
1: First year of university, <laughs> <That's a> Frenchman. <laughs> that
2: was yeah, French kissing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was the French part of my degree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very very good I should have got a first I don't know why <laughs>
1: um,
2: but uh, no I went actually to study this is uh, this is very serious now um I went to study my third year in France Erasmus and everybody else had been was applying for you know Cooper, and I can't even remember half the names but I hadn't even applied to a single one of those interviews and I felt like I was gonna be found out. But when I was in France, we did, we had, um, it was like a master's of business administration. And there was one particular course, which is called masters of arts administration, cultural institutions, and this type of thing. And for that, we spent a week in the Louvre, like in their marketing department, we spent a week in a, with a film production company. And it was just, I mean, I, ha- I was probably, I was so naive. I had never thought, well, also we had never been told that that's how you can apply your degree. Yeah. You don't have to work in a bank mm. or a financial institution. You could also apply your business know-how in a creative artistic um, domain, mm. but those were not what was being pushed on us. You know, the, we were being pushed towards accounting and, oh God. The traditional oh. stuff. I just, yeah, and it just left me cold. And so that year I thought, oh my God, this just opened, opened up this whole world of possibilities. And so I, another serendipitous thing happened. I came back from the Erasmus year and one day a phone call came into the house and my mom answered and someone had set up an internship in Chicago at a film production house and like a week before going, decided they didn't want to go anymore. And so this person said, listen, would Ruth like to do this? It's, you know, she, it starts in a week. And and I said, yeah, oh my God. yeah bring it on so i had no visa i had no visa i had not saved any money um i had no plans really but i just thought and i think that's actually the, the story of my life i just say yes
1: yeah, and yeah.
2: figure it out later and yeah. so that's i mean that's a whole other story but um that's like my favorite saying is like that's a, it's a very long story but you know let me tell you all about it but, <laughs> I ended up going over, and the owner of the the founder of the company is an Irish woman who got an internship to the Chicago Institute of Art years and years ago and loved it so much and decided to set up this huge big post-production house. I mean, it was like four stories. It was so prestigious, award-winning. And here was this woman at the helm, and she didn't have to be. This was another, she's really one of my Mentors in life, she didn't have to be a bitch to be respected. She was just honest and generous and really smart. And she just commanded this team of incredibly talented, uh, there was photographers, there was editors, there was filmmakers. And um that was also someone who really changed my life. And and I thought, wow, okay, first of all, there's a woman who can be running this company and who's respected and doesn't have to be this awful. Brutish, yeah, you don't have to be to, to be respected. And her name is Maggie McGee, in case she's listening. Um, <laughs> and I was she was like literally, um, I she was she is my idol, and uh, really, this she is the start of my whole story of seeing myself as a female in the world of arts in business in, in a business capacity, yeah. So it's yeah,
1: really
2: fascinating,
1: actually. Loads of stories. <laughs>
2: But um, and she's 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 since uh, I was actually there around the time of September 11th um, and I would have stayed longer. But, we you know, I came home a little bit earlier than that. But uh, yeah, so she really was important. And the reason I got the job in Disney, and this is another <laughs> funny story that nobody probably knows. Well, I came back from America and. Um, America, and I came back and I was like I can do everything I am the best and I have a great sense of humor I mean I was like I probably was unbearable and I wrote my CV I thought I'm gonna get a job and um I went and I applied for jobs and they wore me down and wore me down and I eventually I, I looked up and I saw this woman that looked exactly like Maggie Magee, my mentor and her name is Trish Long. And she was the head of marketing for Walt Disney Studios at the time. And in my mind, you know, Maggie, number two, that's for me. That's a sign. I'm going to go knock on her door. And literally, I, that's exactly what I did. I graduated on one day. Oh, I don't even remember what day it was. But let's say I graduated on the Friday or no, the th- Thursday. And then on the Friday morning, I had don't even think I changed out of my graduation outfit. I... <laughs> Arrived at the door of Walt Disney Studios and buzzed on the buzzer. And I said, uh, I'd like to meet Trish Long, please. Uh, and there's like a. No, I don't pause. have an appointment. <laughs> that was the, the pause on the other end was, Have you got an appointment? And I was like, uh, No, but she'll want to see me. Because I'm so important. <laughs> I don't know know uh, and a, a, a they so this was to become my future team they allowed me up i don't know why they, they were probably people. fascinated me <laughs> yeah. <is> <laughs> yeah. let this letter so, so they let me in. they let me in um, and <laughs> i didn't see Trish long she she had locked her door <laughs> um, but they allowed me into the office and these are my future colleagues but um so i walked over and uh, the marketing assistant at the time was a wonderful woman called anna And I gave her my CV and Anna would remind me years later that anytime she was feeling down or sad that she would take out my CV and it would just make her (laughs) crack up because it was so obnoxious. (laughs) So that's, I mean, literally that's the story of my life. I just think, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I just. What's the worst that can happen? Let's just go and do it. About the constant. I mean, it's kind of the story of fair magazine. I mean, I, didn't I mean I had a budget, kind of. I mean I had sorted I was like, am I going to bankrupt my family? <laughs> Maybe, but hopefully not. <laughs> so I'm going. And that's all needed. <laughs> and you know, so I kind option one, option two, option three. Uh, and so if I don't do go too crazy, we should be okay. Um, and and then I mean, all of these the last few weeks, we just signed with an international distributor. So our first issue is going to be going into Barnes and Noble. Um, Barnes and Noble, who just placed an order for my entire print run. So that budget just went like up out the window. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, and if I had known, and also that, I mean, I was talking to Lucy about this, the terms of, of working with an international distributor and going into newsstands is that you don't get paid for 300 days. 300 300 days, so any of my issues that are sold in the US, I will not be re- receive the percentage of the sales of those until uh, next February. Gosh, so, oh my word. So Cash yes, we, yeah, if I had known that, I would never, I don't think I, see that's the thing, if I'd known that I probably would have said, listen, it's not worth it, I'm not gonna do my own magazine, uh, you know, it's, it's too much, but because it kind of came along, it snuck up on me and it was like, ooh. <laughs> days should that's you know that's not long that's not even a year So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know like if I, if I had known that up front I would never I probably would never have done it I would have it would have been too the risks would have been too high and this now we have a team and we have a magazine and we have all these people relying on us so I'm like okay let's go for it so but I would be I, wonderful I, I, I am joking, but there is like a huge amount of uh, goodwill and support. And I, I mean, I was just talking to Ruth Steadman, who's a writer. She's going to write a, a piece, um, a beautiful, she's a beautiful writer. If if you want her Instagram, I think it's by Ruth, Ruth Steadman. And she's a storyteller. And she really is like a storyteller, like the troubadours. And, and one thing she said to me last night is in the age of Instagram, we're trying to reach so many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people with our work and our photography and our writing and our words and i said in the past a troubadour would really only be interested in reaching the five kilometer you know radius you know and going from village to village just telling those stories and really making a connection with people on a one-to-one basis and so that that really resonated with me that you know that we you know to if we can just If we can just touch that five kilometers and really do it really, really well, you know, we don't you know, that's that's what counts. But she's she's going to write a piece called uh, Crafting the Soul and talking about finding your voice Mm -hmm. and, you know, creating the circumstances that your stories can can reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. And I just I mean, I I was like, where do I sign? And so, so she's so I can't wait for her to start writing for that. That's so that's issue gonna, two. So that's issue two, but I think she's actually going to do a column. It's going to be like a column in every issue, exactly. so like a chapter of the, her journey, but your journey as well. And I was thinking, um, I need to talk to Ruth about it. But I was thinking actually of opening up um, so that people could actually uh, what submit a photograph in that theme to be published and uh, so, you know, on crafting, crafting the soul and and finding your voice. So there's just so many, these are just like, this is uh, the story of this whole magazine. It's just these, all these ideas just keep coming. So naturally, I'm not gonna say easily, but just kind of effortlessly is the wrong word, but it's just um, without drama and without Mm. conflict. And I just feel everything just feels really right which is kind of when the distributor came along, I just thought, yeah, this is just how this whole magazine has come together. Is I mean, I just thought we would be looking at it at getting into Barnes and Noble in say, let's say issue four or five. I mean, that was the dream. Yeah. This is like a, this is, it's, yeah. So I kinda, I'm kinda gonna go, I just think it's like the universe so, you know, people yeah. wanna read these stories and people wanna contribute and people want uh, to tell these stories and so, I'm going to publish them as for as long as I can. Yeah. That's the idea anyway.
3: So where does it run from then? I mean, th- that thing behind you gives the impression that you're just sort of like paginating it or whatever yourself. Is that is that what yeah. the team are doing? They're doing. Oh, well so we have
2: uh, we have a tiny team of we're all women. Um, so I have an incredible art director in Ireland. She's also the art director of Image Magazine and Image Interiors. And then we have an editor who's based over in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota in Minneapolis. And she's actually a full-time job as an editor for something else. And these are all women that have come into my life uh, over the last few years. And when I set kind of discreetly little feelers out, they came on board. and, And again, it just seemed like the most perfect fit to have these women on board. And then I have a wonderful intern, Ellie, in the UK, who God love her she just graduated from English in I think from Bristol University and she's locked down and can't get a job even if she wants a job mm. and the day she applied to be my intern I, I mean I, there was somebody looking out for me she's I mean I will t- make an official statement here she's an angel <laughs> and, uh, she's just so efficient uh, she like she loves spreadsheets. oh my oh. god I, she's just I know I know her. Can, can you share, <laughs> share <her? Yes. laughs> It is amazing. And, you know, and and I think everybody on the team is so into the project mm-hmm. and into fair mm-hmm. and excited about it. That I think is is also, if you talk about like energy is, is fueling it all. And because, I mean, I think I just, I got pretty sick um, a few days ago and uh, it's, I realized I hadn't had a day off mm-hmm. since January 1st. And we're talking, you know, but so there's a lot of hard work this because there's the non-sexy side. There's the stockists. And then there's the sales and then there's budgeting and the accounting and the invoicing and the, the social media. And then there's the editing and then there's the pitching and the, uh, so there's so many things to do that the fun, sexy bit is, you know, the stories, but the the whole kind of back end of it is, is full on. But I'm, I think it's like any business when you launch it, the Mm. first few months you're building systems and structures and, everything you're inventing everything from scratch yeah. and it's really tough but um, I keep saying we just have to keep repeating this it's going to be easier on the second
1: <laughs> day <end>.
2: everything's <laughs> in place <laughs> I mean I was just talking to Annabelle Hickson who so Annabelle Hickson is this oh you must know Annabelle Hickson uh, yeah. she's in the flower world we know (laughs) flower angel like yourselves um so annie i'm okay i'm such a fan of annie so annie came as a teacher uh to the last retreat that actually happened but annie and i were talking about making a magazine like last summer and so we were kind of we were Skyping and zooming and egging each other on, and you should, no, you should do it. 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 And she got she got the guts to do it, and she created Gala magazine, mm, which yeah. was like she just printed ten thousand copies of Gala. I'm Completely. so sorry,
1: but Tesco's is here. I've just got to go and open the door. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Before the <dog laughs> I'll be <and> back <laughs> in a it,
2: carry on. I'm so sorry. No problem. No problem. So I mean, she is like an editorial. I mean, heroine of mine. So her, her, and I have been going back and forth behind the scenes, and she just wrote to me and she said, "Ruth, what did we do? (laughs) What were we (laughs) thinking?" She says, "I feel like I'm nearly drowning, not quite, but nearly drowning." But you know, it's it's something that we both wanted to do, and we both love the stories so much that it's not, it's not like a corporate job. It's, it's more, it's, it's so much more personal than that. So, but it is, it is a lot of work. So, so behind me, um, sorry to go, back, to go back to your question. <laughs> <the best> <laughs> such a rambler i'm so sorry i just love that behind um, that's what, when, that's I, when sweet, I did a beautiful. podcast with unpaused she had to make it two parts because i just <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> much um, with an interval <laughs> <laughs> so
3: it was like an interval
2: yeah um, sorry. Behind around here, ice cream <laughs> 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 popcorn, <laughs> popcorn um so this is actually not even the final uh this is the probably the first the first round but I felt that I needed to put it up there to see how the stories flowed into each other because that's the other thing like individual stories just on their own are one thing and then when you put it all together like there are certain themes that start to emerge that don't necessarily emerge mm-hmm. just on the individual pdfs so we do work well first of all we're all working remotely so I'm in I'm in France um Marlene is in Ireland and Tess is in is in Minnesota. They all have part uh, full-time jobs, so it's like they get home and so Marlene gets home and say, let's say between six and nine, and then at night time. I don't know when she eats dinner, but like I would like to think that we're gonna lose so much weight because you know we never have time to keep not working, but uh so Marlene works six to nine at night, so I'm kind of on that, and then Tess is obviously like in the US, so Tess is coming on board much later as well. So it has been a bit of a juggle, you know, um, but unfortunately FAIR is not going to be in a position to have full-time, full-time positions for anyone uh, to possibly next year. But we have loads of plans. We have, um, I say loads of plans, but yeah, because it's not enough to make a magazine four times a year. <laughs> um, we would like to also <laughs> publish books as well. Oh my
1: goodness. Ah.
2: So, I mean, that's, I, so that's a, that's, what I'm also, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows anyone making a book right now. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, know, I know lots of people. Do you? Lots of women. Yes, I know lots of women <laughs> making books right now. And, um, and I know also women who have published books already and had nightmare experiences um, because they were young and they just didn't sign the right paperwork and stuff. So I'd love to create some kind of, um, Actually, I think it's called Some Kind Press in Australia with Louisa Brimble. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, a crowdsourced, community-funded publishing house where, you know, people vote on what they'd like to see published. And it's, you know, just basically supporting uh, creative communities with small batch books. So I don't know, there's loads of ideas, but... uh background be- in print
3: at all, because I'm, I'm from my previous life was in print. So really? it's just quite interesting that... You know have you gone into it with a completely i don't i know nothing about print and i'm just gonna put all these pages basically. together yeah, you see, it, but that's really interesting <laughs> isn't it because you, you kind of don't know what you don't know so it's just you just exactly. put together what you need and then everything else will kind of fall around it I'm
2: like sure. i feel well i kind of knew the basics of what like the you know you need a masthead and you need a content space
3: <laughs> you need some pictures and you need some words <laughs>
2: <Pictures> <laughs> and you need some text and. Well, no, I mean, I did kind of obviously. Marlene has been working for twenty-five years in magazine, in um, yeah. magazine editorial, but I, I feel because I knew absolutely nothing about the rules and the regulations, or I just had, I had no inherited yeah. rules to follow. I feel that that has get, uh, afforded me like a lot of freedom, mm. and and you can question I, things if people say you should do mm-hmm. it like this, but why? Well, I mean, here's a good example. Um, so Tess who works who's a real editor, like not me, not like me. I'm a <laughs> fake editor, okay? <laughs> so that series, that's how that's how I'm introduced. So I'm the fake editor in chief. I just I just throw things together, but I have a real editor, so it's all fine. So I have a, so Tess is a real editor and she works for a real magazine. <laughs> and so but but she was editing the pieces and she was editing for example um a text and she would say so let's say ruth Ribicor is a magazine designer um, and then the next sentence sentence would begin ribicore likes to do this and this and from some for some this just really weirded me out i was like Mm. you know i've never like that all of the time exactly and then i realized that actually no all of the magazines and all of the written pieces that i respond to and i relate to uh, they take away that third person and they bring they are much more intimate and so that's the first name but of course it's not the done thing it's in journalism there's all these rules and so it's been really interesting to have tess's rules kind of conflict against mine and challenge why I want something in a different way. Mm. And 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 I mean, it's not that I've had to fight for it, but I just, I once I explained why I felt that this should be the way we should write our pieces, then it actually, it did make sense to her. But uh, yeah, I feel like if I had known what I was going, like in the business side, I probably would have never done it. Mm. Um, I would have been terrified. And I would, I literally, I would have said, there's just no way we can pay for this. And then, I've, and then from the content point of view, I would have felt that you know twelve stories of eight pages and more is just ridiculous, and nobody does that, and you're crazy. So like, so that's the other. That's the other big difference is that um, it's very ad light. So we have two mm. full page ads, and we have then a quarter page ad, which is really for creatives mm. um, to give them something in print, um, and then all that's backed up on the website. But the 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 features themselves are at least eight eight pages long, and um, and they will go l- longer. Hopefully, if there's you know enough photography to, to allow for that, but eight feet eight pages allows you to to start to get to know somebody, mm. you know, and to start to get to know really a, a much broader scope of their world, their work, how, you know, their creative process, and you know what makes them get up in the morning and want to go out and create and nobody does that because that's just you that you know the real estate in a magazine to give 12 yeah. to 14 pages over to somebody and only have two ads in your magazine mm. are you crazy? But I think we <laughs> I mean... on a fundamental truth mm.
0: though that people mm. love to hear a really mm. in-depth real mm. story. I, I yeah. mean I, I don't know if you ever listen to Desert Island Discs. But it's one okay, of,
2: it my.: list of- It's one
0: of those mm-hmm. um, shows on the radio where you, you just think, "I don't care who it is. this is likely yeah. to be fascinating." Mm. Yeah, and then yeah. you listen to um, the Today program, and you hear somebody for a minute, and yeah. you're not interested in what they've got to say, because it's, it's not in depth. It's, it's a sound bite. Whereas if you've got
2: time, you can really stretch into the story,
0: mm. as you say, and it's fascinating. Well,
2: yeah no I think and people are asking me like why why create something in print uh today you know and I just feel that with a magazine and I love magazines I mean I have so many magazines in the house but with a magazine I actually put everything down I take the time and I go and I make myself a cup of coffee and I sit down and I and I I just devour it and and I and I you know and, and there's pages that magazines I've never thrown away that I keep and I go back to and that's something that that also Annabelle Hickson and I both feel really strongly that, that it's, it's not scrolling. And this, you know, this Mm, thing that we mm. have now with the devices, I mean, I'm, I'm desperate. I will watch a movie, but I'll also have my laptop on and then I will also be checking my phone. And it's like you're ping ponging and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. And, and I didn't want that for these stories because not only are the, do the stories deserve more, but the people, both from the people the artists who have spent a day with a photographer or you know in Lucy's case Lucy you know sat down and wrote a beautiful piece for us and then took photographs to accompany that that, that investment and that energy that deserves to, to have some time set aside and to be enjoyed and to have those stories really sink in and I just don't think you have that anymore online mm. it's no. Even, and I th- also believe, you know, in terms of storytelling and the depth of storytelling is that with Instagram, I mean, we are all being demanded to create like world class content, and con- even that word content, but content, digestible content every day. I mean, you should at least be posting every day, apparently. And, you know, and if you don't, you're punished. And God love you if you decide to, to go a little bit crazy and try anything <laughs> out of the norm, because you will be instantly punished and penalized. And then not only that, but you know, you've know you dared to experiment and maybe challenge your, yourself creatively. And you're, you're told by, by some algorithm that no, stick to what you've mm-hmm. been doing for long few years. And I see this with like, for example, Amy Twigger, uh, her Instagram is at twigstudios and Amy, We've all because Amy has been a teacher at some of my retreats, and nearly all of our mentors at the retreats have really felt the manipulation of Instagram and the, the shallowness of it, you know, and to be forced to keep creating the same content just to please the algorithm. And then you never really get to know anybody because they can't ever sh- really share who they are or mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. creatively. So that's what I see fair as a way of really just just taking us deeper and um and talking about past the algorithm past all these followers mm-hmm. that we have but you know the day to day struggles or our confidence or you know how do we get here and and really just to be able to share these stories that that may well you know affect somebody else and change mm-hmm. somebody else's journey and get, like like yours did Lucy on that podcast i just i think it's really important that we um just pause yeah, pause and, and, and share. Where's Just it being to... printed? Just out of interest. So, um, I mean, this is another crazy thing. <laughs> Sorry, every sentence I start with, it. it's a crazy story. <laughs> and so, um, so that I means the big thing for me was like, where do I print it? And where do I ship it from? Because it's so expensive to ship from France. Uh, and this, uh, Annie found this company, Annabelle Hickson found this company called Heftwork in Germany. And Heftwork, what I love about them is that they are specialists in independent magazines because, you know, in my mind, we were going to maybe make maximum 1,000 copies at the beginning, and that didn't go as planned. But they do everything from 500 copies, you know, upwards, whereas most offset printers don't do, Mm -hmm. they don't do small batch. And they also have this kind of much more friendly, you know, hand-holding technique of you know t- bringing you along because so many people like me have these mad ideas notions that they want to make a magazine they don't have a clue how to go about it and so they were really kind and gentle and yeah. god I mean they probably have had enough of me at this point because to go from like can you quote me for a thousand copies actually maybe five thousand actually no maybe six thousand <laughs> uh, maybe eight thousand uh, all that all that 10,000 I Maybe mean, 100,000 <laughs> think, I think they thought I was like some con woman from know, where? Uh,
0: Money
2: he, yeah, no, he, he called me up. But he called me and said, Madame Ribicore, I just want to check. Oh, you're real. You're real. <laughs> he was like this has never happened to any of the magazines we've ever printed that they've ever co- that they've ever printed this many or that they've gotten distribution so we just want to check everything's okay and oh, I was like yeah it's great
3: okay.
2: how <laughs> <But> that, <laughs> fabulous so, um, is that though that, that you've got that
3: interest and you know
2: that's the it's first amazing. time they've
3: seen
1: it as well so well
2: the, so this is so the kickstarter um that sold about I, two days didn't it oh yeah so the kickstarter the Kickstarter thing, I'd never done a Kickstarter before. So the Kickstarter, you either make your your uh, total or, and get the total, or you, if you don't, if you get under, you don't get anything. So it is it is a risk, but it makes sense because it means that you don't have to deliver something. Mm. Yeah. You don't have funding. Mm. Um, and I remember, I mean, we put so much energy and time into making that Kickstarter campaign. And I remember pushing the button. I thought I was gonna, I didn't even open my eyes. I thought I was gonna vomit. I was like, <laughs> And then the minute I pushed the button and you can't change the total, I was like, oh my God, I should have said, I should have said 5,000, I should have said (laughs) 2,000. Of course, I mean, for me, I had to say the cost of the magazine because I thought it was being, I thought if you're not, that's really important is the transparency to it as well. Mm -hmm. This is how much it costs to print 5,000 copies plus your art director and all of the other, you know, business costs and all the rest. And so um, oh, I did contact everybody I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> and I, I even, like, signed up to my my secondary school alumni on LinkedIn. they have like, seen oh, me for 30 years, but... <laughs> Hi! I didn't go to the last two reunions, but listen, I've got a story to tell you. I'm launching the magazine, so would you care? <laughs> so, I mean, I, and then I think it was, like, on day two, Kickstarter picked it up. As a best and brightest publishing project, oh and four days into the campaign, we got our we got our target, and I, that was such a relief because, first of all, it meant that it was worth doing. Because if I if I hadn't gotten it, I would have gone. You know what, Ruth? It was just in your head, but it's fine. You know, you 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 flirted with the idea, and it's just not the right time or whatever it is as well. Because you know, it's like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Half. <laughs> The shops in the world are closed. <laughs> so, you know, it's no big deal. You know, if it doesn't fly, you know, at least you tried. Um, so getting that was like, wow, people want to read these stories and there's an interest. And um, so when I knew that, that we'd gotten the gold, that was that really was, okay, we can do this, you know. And uh, so Heftwork, the other great thing about them is that they are green energy FSC mm, certified mm, paper mm um the whole plant is is um powered off green energy and uh i have to say like from a business point of view um uh, when i when they sent me their shipping costs from germany there's the, probably the cheapest shipping costs from europe that's when the magazine actually became real because mm-hmm. there was no way that i could create a magazine which is already quite expensive because it's a beautiful paper and it's you know it's a substantial magazine um and then have the shipping cost. Uh, be 20 euros or something mm-hmm. I just thought that's going to kill the the, con- the whole concept uh, dead in the water so because that's the other thing to be realistic I have my most of my readers are in Australia and America and uh, the UK and Netherlands I think the Netherlands mm-hmm. uh, and Canada so I had to be able to distribute it to those uh, territories in a in a economical enough way mm-hmm. So heft work have a fulfillment as well. So they really had the whole service mm-hmm. that and it was like it was like this piece of the puzzle uh, that until they came along, I couldn't even mm. fathom how I could make it happen. But of course, then, you know, once I had discovered them, all of these other people started to, you know, all these pieces of the, of the publishing puzzle came together like, all these other fulfillment people that could come in at, at cheaper cost, or printers who could do it cheaper. I mean, I, I actually had a bidding war with, mm-hmm. for printers, which was <laughs> I, I I have never. I mean, I can't even negotiate at the flea market if I love. <laughs> I was just like I was like twenty euros. Okay, okay, take my money, take my money. But I, <laughs> I I'm not a good negotiator. But here we had. I just I just said, listen, this guy this guy's offering it to me for like half the price. I really want to work with you, but you know, you gotta you gotta see my side of things. And so it was like a bidding war to work with us and um and have to work one really because they not because they were the cheapest, but really because they were just the loveliest to work with, the most mm-hmm. human to work with. And and I wanted I want all of the elements of this to be kind of as as pleasant and non-toxic as mm. possible. Uh, no pun intended, because they do use non-toxic inks. In <laughs> their
1: so when so, is the magazine available? So it's available to buy now, isn't it, on your website? You
2: can, you can pre-order, but it's not going to be printed. Well, I say it's not going to be. It's going to be printed. Uh, it's going to print next week. Oh, um, wow. and I can't travel to Germany because of uh, yeah. apparently France is high risk. Uh, so I have one of our uh, artists, creatives. Her name is Katrina Herold. Um, I think I posted better. She is a curator, gallerist, uh, such a great person. She is going, she lives in Hamburg. Oh yeah, I'm not making this up. Hamburg. She's <laughs> going to jump on a train and she's going to Berlin and she's going to film yeah. the proofing oh, process. So, that used to be my I, job.
3: I used to love all that. Oh. So I really see, want I to was, see all that.
2: <laughs> I would love to go. I would love to go, but it's just, oh. I would have to quarantine for eight days mm-hmm. in a Berlin mm-hmm. hotel. So it's just not going, it's not not worth it. Um, so she's going to do that, that for me. I know. I mean, I didn't even, um, I didn't even know that was part of the process, but I'm going to miss it this time. But you know, I have, Katrina's yeah. is going to film it for social media. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a live experience. <laughs> So, uh, and uh, Sebastian of Hefferk, he said, well, you can always come for issue two. (laughs) I said, you're right, Sebastian. I will come (laughs) for issue two. So when can people have
1: it? When when is it going to reach doors?
2: So it's actually going to ship out to anyone who's pre-ordered it or subscribed for the year. It ships on the 2nd of April. Mm -hmm. Technically, officially goes on sale on the 7th. Um then for Barnes and Noble and Books a Million in the US, that's a bit more convoluted because it ships by sea, right. sea freight. So it can take five to six weeks. Mm-hmm. So they won't probably have it till mid-May. But if you are one of my independent stockists, <laughs> and I love all my independent stockists, I am best friends with all my independent stockists. I'm sending all my independent stockists free postcards because I love them so much. <laughs> And uh, they will be getting theirs, Air Freight, um, and they will have theirs on the 7th of April. Right. And, uh, so like the fun, the, the funniest thing for me, so I didn't really have a niche, you know, like, oh, this is going to be next to this magazine on the shelf. But the niche for the magazine is is the craft world, but like an elevated craft. Mm. Um, and so it's not going to go in beside El Decor. And it's not, it's not, aspirational this is like the celebrating the unsung heroes of craft and artisanal and creative Mm -hmm. arts uh and so the people that have responded the most (laughs) i had no idea are like craft shops and yarn shops around the world they are just so into fair and uh this is like a whole other side of the business side is that when you have stockists who are really into what you're selling and your product and i'm really excited about i mean they're doing my job for me they're Mm. sharing it and they're doing they're even taking pre-orders so two or three of my stockists have sold out all their pre-orders and and are ordering more (laughs) and (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian, can you give me a quote for 15000 uh, No, 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 he did give me a quote. And I was like, nope, 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 no, no, we're not going there. We are not going there because my distributor was like, well, you know, we could go up to this amount of I was like, yes, we could, but we can't. Like, so, yeah, we can't, we got no money. It's going to be a one issue magazine if we go anymore. Uh, so let's let's build Slightly slower, so yeah. So we'll see, uh, because Barnes & Noble, they are really into it. Barnes & Noble, um, apparently, I think Flow is one of the top magazines in the kind of craft section. And then they 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 sell a lot of craft magazines. So uh, craft, the craft world, and I had no idea, the craft magazine world is a, a big market. Mm. It's a really big market and they're loving the concept of fair yeah so it's not diy and it's not like there's no pull-out patterns or anything it's just and that's another thing is i want to have um a story on a, a, you know a very different uh, story in every issue so there will there will probably not well actually th- when i say that there's probably two stories on flowers because i love flowers in the first issue you can't have too many flowers. But, <laughs> 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 i'm talking to the right people here <laughs> uh, so um, but i mean i, I not to, you know just People, I suppose, people who go out and connect with nature and don't need to go to a big fancy flower shop, but they can create beauty. And I think, so it's not just floral design. It's it's about going out and seeing the beauty in the world mm. and then and bringing that home, even if it's a simple... You know, a branch of a tree, or that's that's kind of more what I'm searching to share. Those types of stories, and can you see the branches that, of trees behind me. <laughs> I can. I love your the back of the back of your screen. Now, I. You know what? I actually fully intended to go out and chop half a tree for this one. Happened. So I just have uh, metal paper flowers and lots of feathers, and I thought, you know what? Oh, okay.
3: They were all quite beautiful though. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, so the idea will be that there'll be a there'll be one kind of art form per, uh, So sorry, sorry, there won't be duplicate art forms mm-hmm. in each issue. So in that sense, there will be something for everyone. So you could be really into flowers, but you'll also love all the other yeah. stories mm-hmm. and the food. I mean, we have wonderful food story from a Swedish oyster diver who, um, wow. which is not as stereotypical atelier story. It's more about um, someone stepping out of like a fast paced city world and going into diving into the like freezing cold ocean and diving for oysters and finding themselves under the ocean and then going out into all the top restaurants in Sweden and bringing these oysters into those restaurants and collaborating with chefs and uh, so, you know, so there's there'll be something for everyone mm. you know and, um, mm. and I'm already working on issue two obviously and issue three and issue four and <laughs> issue five uh, <laughs> but uh, issue two I'm just I'm just you know I literally started to cry when um, there's a wonderful embroidery artist from Ireland Domino Whisker, who is also um, caring for her father who has advanced alzheimer's and she talks of how she actually found her voice whilst guiding her father's hand to create works of art mm-hmm. at the beginning of his al- alzheimer's and so she she was she was his guide but and his conduit, but also that ended up um, Allowing her to find her own voice, and it's a beautiful. I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps. Yes, I'm on about this. <laughs> but her, the photography is so fabulous, and and the thing is about the photography. I don't want perfect. I want emotion, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Um, that we we see the emotion, and it's really important mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. that a photographer has that gift of an experience with that creative, and vice versa. And then that is a conversation and mm. a collaboration. And that's really exciting to me mm. as well. Mm. So, um, unfortunately, Lucy had to do w- the work on. She to talk to
1: herself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, could you just turn to describe? What do you think uh, about this, Lucy? <laughs> 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 the worst bit was trying to say, could you, Kept Ruth kept saying, We need photographs of you. And I'm like, Well, it's just me. So I'd have to set the timer, <laughs> then run round and try a local launch. <laughs> Oh, yeah it's just like it there, you do,
2: right. don't you? Yeah. well no I have um this is a big cheat I hate getting my photograph taken but I use I've tethered on my canon so you can actually link it up to your iphone or your lap your what do you call it, your ipad or whatever it is and so you just hide it and you just turn and then you just click, <laughs> click <laughs> and you know and like 500 photos exactly, lately. yeah right one <laughs> or you, or you, exactly oh, yeah i hate getting my photo taken photoshop's amazing <laughs> oh yeah uh, no it's 500 photos later
1: uh,
2: no i'm really it, i mean it is like it is a kind of like a, a roll, like a look like a train trying to roller coaster I have all these metaphors in my head it's like a, it is a train that once it kind of it's departed the station and it's kind of it just gets this momentum and um and issue two is just, yeah, there's so many incredible stories already coming mm. in for issue two. Is it and quarterly? It's going to be quarterly. Yeah, it's a quarterly. Yeah. Mm. And um, I think what this is another th- interesting uh, thought you might like to know this little bit of uh, info. So I, when I've been reaching out to photographers, a lot of the photographers are telling me that magazines for them these days, um, because so many of them have been bought over by big, mm. big companies. Uh, not only are, you know, are they controlled by the advertisers but also and the and the shareholders but the stories have to fit into a certain framework, you know, and there's, and so basically they're, they're kind of on automatic pilot when they go to do these shoots. They know that they need the portrait and they know that they need the, that shot and they need that shot. And they'll never really have more than three or four photographs shared. So, so as much as they want to, to really take more photographs they know that none of them will be used. Mm-hmm. So I've had a, a really great response from photographers who are so excited to have the scope mm-hmm. of, of, like eight plus pages to really tell the story and develop the story. But also um, some of them have been telling me that there are magazines now that will take their photography and then they will require them to apply a filter to it so that all of the photography in the magazine is just homogenized. And I, I think that, that's so depressing to mm. me. It's, you know, make it digestible, make mm. it look mm. beigey, warmy, beigey thing and I just I mean how horrific to ask photographers to have to do that to their work mm-hmm. in the first place but also that that is what you know the top one of the top selling home magazines in France is, is doing right now so none of the photographers, I don't want no, I am not asking anybody to apply a filter because I just think it's disrespectful but also the joy is the richness in the magazine is the fact that you have all of these completely different stories completely different aesthetics completely different schools of Mm. photography when I say schools of photography many of them are self-taught but it's it's about the emotion and not about the perfection it's it's all part of the
3: art isn't it you know Mm. it's all just yeah to
2: change that
3: is just completely missing the point for your sort Mm. of magazine really
2: well I mean yeah why well if you're creating a creative magazine that celebrates creatives and then we're you know reducing everybody's photographs to, to the same to look the same but um, this is what is going on with magazines today. And so like Annabelle Hickson for Gala, she, her magazine has zero ads and it's really based on a model of building community and respecting readers and really just getting the best of, con- best of content. I hate that word, sorry. But you know, really just delivering content that people really want to read and they can't wait for the next issue mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to please so many different people with so many different things um yeah i I mean i don't know that yeah we're just it's just that wasn't a model that worked for us anyway so
3: yeah. it sounds beautiful i'm gonna sign up as soon as we've finished here oh
2: <laughs> yeah i will send you some postcards
3: <laughs> we will well, put a link to everyone we've mentioned on the, our website as well because there's loads and loads of people you've mentioned so we'll make sure there's a link to all absolutely, well. i love
2: that i love um, i love sharing all of my friends and it'll be quite
3: like, a long well. list of links <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Well, I'll, how, so will, interesting. Somebody going to go through it and then tell me because, or, or you'll, you'll give me a list of, or maybe will I listen to it again and go through it? Or, I will figure
0: it. I I'll
2: just have to put a week aside next week. <laughs> <laughs> week, aside next week. <laughs> <laughs> again. Oh god! No, um, mm-hmm. I do love. I have. We see the other thing about living in France. I get. I don't get to talk to anybody in English. I have to. <laughs> you know, put on this fancy French accent and then uh, and then pretend to communicate with my children.
1: <laughs> well, we, usually at the end of our podcast, Ruth, we ask five questions.
2: Oh, Jesus. A, yes,
1: <laughs> Don't so it's usually worry. quite quick fire. <laughs> but Famous always, last words. <laughs> I, well, those the are glasses are going on. Oh my,
2: oh, my god, I'm terrified. <laughs> you right,
1: you ready? Yes. Hit me up. Phone call or text? text? Text. I hate the phone. I hate the phone. I oh, do see you
2: ever look at your phone and I'll think, why are you ringing me? Just text me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am the, like, I actually am the worst. I, I like hate the phone. Cool. Uh, do you know, I think it's because I was attached to my BlackBerry for years with Disney. I just... I just, it's kind of, uh, but I'm, I'm literally attached to it all day long with Instagram and all the social media, but I just, I'm, ter- well, do you know what? I think I'm probably terrified that I'm going to stay on for two hours. So, and I know that I don't have the time. <laughs> I, I, can't, I cannot, that's why I'm a crappy editor. I cannot. Edit anything,
1: even my emails are practically <laughs> essays. You know, this I have So much to tell you. Weekly, yes, but I'm the same. The girls always laugh at me because I'm like, I have to tell a story, but then I have to tell the backstory to the backstory to the backstory. Yeah. Well, and then I she forgets
0: what she's telling. And then us. Then I
1: forget what the end <laughs> was anyway. So. Three
0: cups of tea later.
1: <laughs> um, yes. Okay, ready? Yeah, pop or country. Oh, I love country. I yeah, like really.
2: I was like, "This isn't some. Is this in a cocktail? We're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'll <how> show <should laughs> workout. Popper like country. Friendly. I love country. Do you know who I love to listen to? The Highway, the Highway Women. I think that's the name of them. Do you know? There's so much music that I have on my um my Spotify yeah, that I, I listen on I it? couldn't tell you the names no. of the songs. No. Well, oh, I mean, I do love. I love country. Um but I do love some pop. As well. <laughs> okay, a bit of both then. We'll let you have Like, that. can I just say, Christine and the Queens. And oh. Fr- oh, I need to curse it. Harry Styles. Oh! Yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody directed me to his Grammy performance and that was me gone on Google for about an hour Trying to find the full video because they were only showing me 20 seconds because it was not allowed in my country. So of course, like when something is banned, you know, you have. To find <laughs> I need
1: to write that down. Oh, I got to put
2: a link to Harry Styles on the website now. Oh, there do. There's another link. There's another link. So Harry Styles performing at the Grammys wearing a Gucci leather jacket. Oh. And no, oh, oh, sorry, this is awful. I am objectifying sorry Styles. I have just loved his music.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's very good we have the same taste there okay ready yes big party or small gathering small gathering
2: but i wouldn't be adverse after like my fifth gin and tonic that like another (laughs) 20 people (laughs) join
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that's kind clip. of how it always happens like my husband constantly organizes a surprise birthday party for me every year not so surprising and I why. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not the other thing because i'm born on the 22nd of july so there was never anybody that i knew that was ever at my birthday party in fact my mother invited the entire uh, population of a foreign summer school to my birthday one year and i remember arriving you know into the house and there was all these strangers and that traumatized me I, think, many- no I so I, I actually hate my birthday but my husband loves parties so he actually organizes a surprise party for
1: me that is a surprise that's all
2: well it can I'm constantly kind of catch well put it this way I am never dressed properly or have my hair washed it's always a surprise but I, I will catch on one of these days well last year I got away with it because of COVID. Yes. it was great <laughs> all for confinement on the 22nd of July. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. The question, Lucy. I've got two more: <laughs> trainers or sandals? Ah. Oh.
2: Mm-hmm. Like high-heel sandals? If you want. Um, <laughs> high heels. Well, I used to love them because I'm really short, but I can't wear them I since I moved to Lacoste because it's all like medieval cobblestone. Uh, you know, it's awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, live live
2: I can't wear my Lanvin eight inch heels anymore. <laughs> uh, so now I actually live in Birkenstocks, but yeah. um, Birkenstocks and Vans. Mm-hmm. So actually wear both. So because it's so hot here, like it can get up to in the 40s in wow. July and August, it's pretty unbearable. So yeah, you would be talking sandals. I wear like Birkenstocks probably. From um, May until May until so October. And then I know it's awful time. So and then I wear runners all winter long. Autumn, winter, early spring, yeah. Okay yeah it's like I'm, I, I went from being like oh I spent all my money when I worked in Walt Disney on on designer handbags and designer shoes and then I got pregnant and my feet went up an entire size and never <laughs> went back down again so I have all these shoes which don't fit me and that are <laughs> they spent so much money on and then since moving to France nobody it's all about well Provence is all about practicality mm-hmm. it's the, the you It's too hot and it's the villages are not conducive to high yields.
1: eBay, maybe. Yeah, eBay. Them. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. whenever
2: I get it, whenever it gets a bit slow around here, I am selling. Oh my that's never gonna happen. <laughs> is it? No, it's never gonna happen. Yeah. But I keep saying that it. That word will. doesn't
0: happen in your household.
2: I totally, no, I totally agree. <laughs> I will be on eBay as soon as I get a window.
3: Maybe yeah. for three hundred days doesn't kick in. Inside, <laughs> so yeah,
2: it. Exactly. <laughs> no, literally. I'd say come next. Let watch this space. <laughs> It's gonna get I really around October, November time. We're like, oh my God, how am I gonna pay for issue four? I'm are gonna take all these designer shoes on day. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry. I'm making a note that I do Okay, last one. Clas- yeah. Classical or modern art? Actually. Um,
1: Is that really difficult?
2: Uh, method, well, oh, okay. So I love 18th century you know, cause that's, you know, just, I'm just classy like that. Um, no, I knew nothing about 18th century, but I love 18th century. I love art deco and I love mid century. Now what works in my house, I could buy the most beautiful like gold um, leaf or, you know, things like, you know, beautiful antiques. I will put them in my house and they will look absolutely ridiculous. So if I buy mid century uh, or even like four, yeah, forties, fifties, that's something I can live with. So I realise that that's actually art that reflects us as a family. Mm. Um, but I do, God, I love buying crumbling old paintings. And mm. Uh, mm. I don't know, just, I, I think it's also, it's not really for me about one era or not. Um, it's really about the particular piece like there is, a, you, at the flea market, oh my, if you ever come over. We are,
1: you're on the list. I literally, I live,
2: <laughs> I live in, I didn't not even, I didn't know anything about antiques before I moved here, but I live in this, like 20 minutes from the third biggest antique center in Europe, uh, Le but I don't go there, I go where all the dealers source, but I mean, you could be walking past hundreds and hundreds of paintings, and I do, But there's, so so at the start it's overwhelming and you you buy everything and you're broke. But then eventually you learn, you know, to kind of, your eye gets more refined. Mm -hmm. So now I just, there's just something, it's like everything, you know, you just, there's just something in a piece that just calls to you. I don't know if you can, like, this is, I just, I put this up (laughs) for you for you actually because it's got a it's got a flower isn't it (laughs) Um, but and this normally hangs in here it's this huge piece
1: fabulous, uh, Mm.
2: which i got for 60 euros and it's like i think it's 1920s 1920s but um yeah i just i go with whatever moves me
1: i think that's that's the best thing thing, you just have to just get what you like
2: yeah i don't buy what i can resell that's never i actually always buy for me and then if I find that it's just not fitting in my house or yeah, it's not moving me anymore, then I know that it's time to, to let it go. Mm-hmm. So that's why some that's how I survived um, lockdown. I, I did ooh, oh, I, about to I, I would like to I would like to say I sold a lot of my belongings, but I probably only sold <laughs> like a fraction. Oh, my <laughs> house is coming down with stuff, but um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I built a few.
2: Yeah, it, it, well, it's just so hard. There's so many beautiful things at mm. the Brocon. There's so many beautiful things. And then there's also so many things that you know are very rare or becoming rarer. And so you've, those are the ones, those are things that are harder to, to turn away from because, you know, you just know that in, let's say, two years, that you might not see those types yeah. of things again. Like the really beautiful rustic um, hemp and linen sheets, mm. not the, like the monogram stuff, there's quite a lot of it still around, but the really, they like the the raw kind of poorer what, what i there's the term for it arte povere which is the art of the poor which they kind of talked about a little bit is something that i love is like the things that the poorer people surround themselves with so that, again it goes back to that idea of creating beauty even if you don't have a lot of money and you yeah. know just going yeah. out and making something with yeah. your hands or yeah. or gathering a bunch of flowers from the garden and so i think that's really something that i'm attracted to mm. not necessarily like yeah, I think that goes back to my house is 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 not like over the top gold leaf, 18th century everything. It's more about like visible repairs and mm-hmm. things honest. that have, yeah, mm-hmm. honest, mm-hmm. honest lived in storied things that mm-hmm. I find in the market. Yeah. Sounds. I know funny. that wasn't very fast. Rapid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fascinating. I can't, I can't imagine your surprise. <laughs> Oh Ruth, it's been so fascinating to, has, come to you. Yeah. it really has. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I'm so sorry, I don't feel like we've had a conversation. I just feel like I've just <laughs> been so delighted to talk to somebody in my language <laughs> that I have just like talked and talked and talked and talked. Well, we're really just lovely. so pleased you have because it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh well, thank you. And I'm just I'm just so well genuinely thrilled that Lucy is in. Oh thank issue you so one. much. Can't wait for it to come like, out. It's good. The be universe hour. I the, the universe is is incredible the way it does connect people Um, and as much as we complain about instagram i do feel like it connects us um Mm. even when we live in these tiny rural Mm. cut off areas it it brings us not just to an audience but to to, like fellow soulmates Mm. and and spirits that we can connect with and Mm. that make our world make sense yeah sometimes that's the key
0: thing isn't it
2: yeah finding yeah yeah yeah.
0: fellow crazies who love your stuff <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm accept, I totally accept I am nuts I think, I think like that's one great thing about getting a little bit older is like you just you realize that uh, we were. I was talking to this to Ruth Stedman yesterday I never really fit it in and I was always struggling with that but now I look back and I go well of course I never fit
1: yeah, it in exactly so, the same
2: so nuts like mm. and but I'm delighted that this is who I am and mm. that my friends are the people that you know that I found my friends and mm. uh and uh some you found incredible... your tribe mm. yeah 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 I mean it's, it's and I think this is you don't need like 200 no. best friends no. you just need um to have people who really get you somebody posted oh, somebody posted a quote on instagram that resonated with me <laughs> but it was uh it was like surround yourself i'm paraphrasing surround yourself with i'm gonna really ruin this now <laughs> well with people, with people who will like big you up in a crowded room and talk about how wonderful you are oh no a room full of opportunities that somebody else will put put you forward for something i think that's I totally wrecked that quote. <laughs> so you know I, think, I think we so get at, the essence. <laughs> it sounded better in my I'm head. So I'm you the list of quotes that I should. If you send it, you it to me, put I'll put it on my website. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, I think if you just edit my words and put them in the right order, <laughs> like, cut and paste. But uh, no, as in, like, if, you know, surround yourself with people who will put you forward for opportunities rather than put themselves mm. forward, mm. first of all. Yeah, like a circle of really great friends, and that's Mm. that's kind of that comes with age, and it's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, it doesn't, and thank God it doesn't happen. I think, yeah, it doesn't happen earlier because we wouldn't be ready for it. Mm. So yeah, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Anyway,
3: um, I've answered
2: all of your questions. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Tune in tomorrow for part two. (laughs)
3: Might be part three and four. We might have to do part one and two. And yes, I think
1: we need to have you back and talk about part two. Yeah, I feel like we've only scraped the surface.
2: I think so. No, I think I think what you're doing is fantastic because I think we are all craving um this camaraderie and conversation and ah, oh, just connecting. Mm. And so we we are also in our heads and our own bubbles for mm. so long mm-hmm. now. That can be really hard to, I mean, especially in the UK, but it'd be so hard to now get ourselves out of that. So mm. this is wonderful to have this opportunity. Oh, I you. really appreciate it. Well, and thank I you for being with
3: us. No, it's been delightful. Yeah, it been amazing.
2: Like, <laughs> but anyway, I will, will I let you go? Will, <laughs> 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 will I let you go back to your beautiful gardens? Maud. <laughs> That's my Our gardener has stopped streaming. For two hours, <laughs> basically gone home. He's just been he was...
3: sat down all the time you've been talking. Yeah, so
2: having a he's having a nice pasty I'd say. The, the hedge is going to go like this <laughs> now after his two hour pasties break. He's already, he's already strimmed the hedge. For a <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Thank and you, Ruth. Be in touch. Let's, soon. Talk, let's talk soon. Yeah. Please, Take a care. A weekly occurrence <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, so much to do. But anyway, lo- lovely to talk to you it was all. So and lovely to speak do. to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to the Restless Creatives podcast. To ensure you don't miss our next episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. The Restless Creatives podcast. If you'd prefer to listen rather than watch us, you can catch us on one of your favoured podcast providers. For more sneak peeks and behind the scenes fun, visit our Instagram at the dot Creatives, or visit our website therestlesscreatives.co.uk.